0: We are going to hear God's word. During Advent, we are going to be working through the book of Ruth. It's a beautiful story within scripture. It tells a powerful message. As we hear it this Christmas season, um, we are going to listen to it. So you don't need to find this in your Bibles because we're going to have a series of readers who will help us hear the story of Ruth. I'd like to invite those readers now to Read scripture for us. Once upon a time, it was back in the days when judges led Israel, there was a famine in the land. A man from Bethlehem in Judah left home to live in the country of Moab with his wife
1: Naomi and his two sons. The man died and Naomi was left, she and her two sons. The sons took Moabite wives. The name of the first was Orpah, the second Ruth. They lived there in Moab for the next 10 years, but then the two brothers died as well. Now Naomi was left without either her young men or her husband.
0: One day she got herself together, she and her two daughters-in-law, to leave the country of Moab and set out for home. She had heard that God had been pleased to visit his people and give them food.
1: After a short while on the road, Naomi told her two daughters-in-law, Go back. Go home and live with your mothers. And may God treat you as graciously as you treated your deceased husbands and me. May God give each of you a new home and a new husband. She kissed them and they cried openly. But they said, No, we're going on to you with your people. But Naomi was firm. Go back, my dear daughters. Why would you come with me? Do you suppose I still have sons in my womb who can become your future husbands? Why, even if I said there is still hope, and this very night got a man and her sons, and had sons, can you imagine being satisfied to wait until they were grown? Would you wait that long to get married again? No, dear daughters, this is a bitter bitter pill for me to swallow, more bitter for me than for you. God has dealt me a hard blow.
0: Again, they cried openly. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth embraced
1: her and held on. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is going back home to live with her own people and gods. Go with her. But Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go,
0: I go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die, and that's where I'll be buried, so help me God. Not even death itself
1: is going to come between us." When Naomi saw that Ruth had her heart set on going with her, she gave in, and so the two of them traveled on together to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem,
0: the whole town was soon buzzing. Is this really our Naomi? And after all this time?
1: But she said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me bitter. The strong one has dealt me a bitter blow. I left here full of life, and God has brought me back with nothing but the clothes on my back. Why would you call me Naomi? God certainly wouldn't. The strong one ruined me." And so
0: Naomi was back, and Ruth the foreigner with her, back from the country of Moab. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest.
2: There's something about Christmas. I find this. I, I hope you do, too. There's something about Christmas that encourages us to think of home, after eating to the respite of home. And perhaps this is the reason that our culture jumps into the Christmas season so quickly. It's preparing for and excited by the prospect of home again. If we peel back some of the commercial trappings of Christmas time. We'll see in movie after movie, song after song, that the beating heart of this season, the beating heart at the center of Christmas seems to be home. Home where we're known deeply and loved deeply. Home where we belong. Home where we feel safe and things feel right. For some of us, that home might be the home of our childhood a home long gone or a home that we can still go back to. For others, it might be a home that we found among friends or a home that we built with new family. Some of us may not be able to recall memories of such safety and love, but nevertheless, our hearts yearn for it. We intrinsically know that we ought ought to have that experience. It be such a place for us. This is what the season of Advent is about. It's about naming our longing for home together, sitting and lamenting that we have sometimes been dragged so far from the people and places that we call home, that our world has been so distorted from the home that it should be for all of creation, and longing for the day when each of us, and indeed all things, will find home again with our God. Where love will be abundant, and fear, sorrow, and shame done away with for all time. The home we were made for. The central question at the heart of Advent is how long? It's that question we sang together, how long? How long until all is made right? How long until we find that home that Christmas points us toward, but so often falls short of satisfying? how long? As we think about what it means for us to wait for home together in this season, we will be using the book of Ruth as our guide. Ruth is a story about finding home, purpose, and belonging again. It's a story about the journey that takes us far from home, even when it's not actually that far at all. And it's about the ways that we share in God's work of setting all things right again. And as you heard this morning, the book, lay in showing the depth of the despair that Naomi and her family experienced. How much their home wasn't really home at all. As it says, there was a famine in the land. Now, a famine is bad enough, but the next sentence actually makes it clear how bad this famine is. A man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Now, we don't know what that means, but there's this great verse from Deuteronomy that tells us. Because the Moabites were people not to be associated with. And the reason that God gives that the Israelites should not associate with these people is that when the Israelites left slavery in Egypt, the Moabites didn't come and meet them with bread and water. They offered no refuge. They offered no hospitality. And worse than that, they cursed the Israelites. Naomi and her family become immigrants and refugees due to famine, and they go to a country that is not known for being welcoming to her people, that is in fact quite hostile to them. This is not a decision that is made lightly. But it's more than that. They, they come from Bethlehem, and they fee, flee for famine. That doesn't strike us as a particularly alarming sentence, but to the original audience, just that sentence, Bethlehem and famine would have made clear how dire this situation is. The Hebrew word Beth means house, and Bethlehem means house of bread. Home for Naomi, her husband and their sons, had been the house of bread. Grain was abundant, and now it wasn't. And when the house of bread doesn't have any food, we can imagine the depths of that despair. And we can agree that surely this place can no longer be home. Something is awfully wrong in the world of this story. So Naomi looks for home elsewhere. And for a time, it strangely seems as if she finds it in the land of Moab. Moab, where her sons now have wives. But that lesson we learned about Bethlehem and how words and names have meanings, it comes up again and again, and we'll soon discover that every, every word in this chapter of Ruth has a meaning that is supposed to point us toward what will soon happen. Naomi's name, which means winsome or pleasant, would soon no longer be true, even as Bethlehem's name was no longer true. Her very identity shifts as her sons. And get this: her sons, one of them is named Weakening, and the other one is named Perishing. Right? Her sons, Weakening and Perishing, they die. And as they die, as their names are fulfilled in them, Naomi's name has to change too. This winsome, pleasant life that was promised to her at, with her name was no longer the case. No, her life was a bitter life, and she resolves that she should not share this bitterness unnecessarily with her daughters-in-law. No, she will return home, home to the place of famine that once held feasting, home to the place of her marriage, now a widow, home to the place where her sons were raised, now childless. She is returning home to no home at all. She could have hardly realized how much worse things could still get when she left Bethlehem in search of food. We each, in our own ways, know this part of Naomi's story. We can recount the times and places in our lives when we felt alone, and then we quickly realized how much more alone we could feel. We can recount the times and places when things seemed dim. And we soon discovered how dark this world could yet be. We have experienced the depths of sadness, despair, suffering and hopelessness. We in the church have been told that we were formed in the image of God, that God called us good and very good, and then we experienced the Mike. Let's do that. And then we experience the loss of loved ones experienced a lack of belonging. Perhaps we even experienced rejection and disappointment in this community of God's people. And we have wondered, is this how God treats good and very good things? Perhaps I'm not so good after all, or maybe God isn't so good either. We live in an age where the youngest generation has taken on the mantle of advocating for environmental action so that they can have a world to grow old in, so they can have a world to call home themselves. We live in a society where from suffrage to civil rights to the ongoing conversation with indigenous people in Canada, it is the marginalized that have to raise their voices to seek acceptance, belonging, and respect for themselves so they can feel at home in this world. Like the world of our text, something is awfully wrong with our world too. So we sit and we linger and we long for a better home. And we know that it's like nothing that is behind us because in every generation that we have passed through, people have always sat and always waited and always dreamt of a better home. And this is not because we humans are just such ungrateful, dissatisfied people. This is actually because God has set eternity in our hearts. God has set love and justice, grace and truth as the highest ideals. And we do not see them in so many places where we live and we work. And we know that we were made to be with God who is love and is truth. And ultimately, we find that our heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. This work, this work of longing for a better country, of imagining a better home, this work has always been the work of God's people. It is because we will not be satisfied with all that is as it is now. It is because we will not accept life on the terms given to us, will not agree that the purpose of life is struggle and pain and finally death. It is because of these very things that God is not ashamed to be called our God and promises us home at last in his city. God is proud that we know this world is not as it should be. God rejoices that we long for something more. Our father delights that we yearn to be home again with him. And so in our text from Ruth, Naomi seems to have given up hope for home. Life has somehow gone from bad to worse, and she's being quite realistic as she pushes her daughters-in-law away from her. They still have reason to hope. But without a husband, without sons, without people, and place to call home any longer, she can see no good left in her future. She is so close to her despair that the darkness, it just overwhelms her. We, as readers of this story, as listeners, have the privilege to see that little spark of hope that is Ruth's response to her mother-in-law. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. We can see how this response from a Moabite woman to an Israelite is the very offer of hospitality and friendship that the Moabites once denied the Israelites. In this small action of love and hospitality, a great wrong in the world is being healed and mended. A wrong is being made right. In this small action, we can also see that Naomi will not be alone, that at the very least she will have the company and abiding love of Ruth by her side. But for Naomi, even Ruth's abiding presence does not seem to give her reason to hope. No, when Naomi returns to Bethlehem, the whole town notices the return of someone who's been gone for years. They remember her. They remember that she left during the famine and they say, is this not Naomi? Is this not the pleasant one? But so shaken by recent events, Naomi changes her name to Mara. She says, don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me bitter instead because the Lord has made my life very bitter so close to the bitterness of from bad to worse naomi shares her utter defeat with her hometown she offers the lament of her heart which stops at sorrow and cannot yet imagine hope the author of ruth will not allow us listeners to dwell in hopelessness for too long we don't get to be like naomi sitting in suffering Immediately following that despairing note from Naomi, the story tells us the time at which they arrived in Bethlehem, just as the barley harvest was beginning. Bethlehem, the house of bread, far from famine, is going to be harvesting wheat again. The house of bread will find the truth of its name again. What if this can be home after all? What if Naomi will be Naomi again. Ruth, a foreigner, even a Moabite, chooses to return with Naomi to the famished house of bread, to Bethlehem. Not quite empty after all. Naomi has a companion for the journey, a glimmer of hope that she will not be abandoned, she will not be alone, she will not be completely empty. In this Advent season, we remember Jesus, a foreigner to our world, choosing to come to us, to the famished house of bread, even to that same Bethlehem. Jesus, a stranger to us, comes to be our neighbor, to show us the way that our home was meant to be. The bread of life made his home in a manger, now food for a hungry world. This is the meal we'll celebrate together. More than remembering this old story, we hope and believe that one day it will be made complete. That the world will one day hunger no more because of the food provided by the God who was once that baby lying in a feeding trough. That all will have a home established by our refugee Lord who found that there was no room for him in this world. This is the hope of Advent. And so as Ruth chooses to remain with Naomi, we see that Ruth chooses hope. She chooses hope for herself and hope for her mother-in-law. She lives out hope by staying alongside her. Even when everything reasonable and rational says to go back to Moab, to find a new husband, to make life for herself as comfortable as it can be, Ruth holds on to hope for Naomi. And she gives the gift of hope for home again to her mother-in-law. In the same way, Jesus comes to us offering us hope, embodying hope in his actions. Actions which turn feasts out of meager meals. Actions which offer hope of belonging to even the most distrusted, the most unwell, the most dangerous. Jesus holds out hope for the world. We too are invited to live in hope to choose hope in the way we tell the stories of our lives, to also choose hope in the ways that we interact with others, like Ruth, to choose simple actions of love where we can offer to people in the most hopeless situations. In small and everyday ways, we can right the wrongs which have scarred people across generations. In our living out hope, we can point to the promise which we believe that there is a place to call home and a people to belong to. When others despair, the greatest gift that the church has to offer to the world are simple actions of hope. We can do this good work because despite all the troubles of life, we have received the good news of a friend from a far off country who will not leave us in our times of drought and famine, when family is difficult, when we can name no earthly place as our home. Like Naomi, we receive the promise of a faithful presence, even in troubled times. The story of Ruth and Naomi invites us not to abandon hope. Even when it's hard to imagine what God's kingdom could look like in our lives, even when justice feels so far away even when we feel unsafe and unheard and unwelcome, to choose to hope, even when there is no hope. Because we can remember the story of strangers who chose to become friends. We can remember the story of Ruth and her love for Naomi. We can remember the story of Jesus and his love for this world. We can remember these stories, and we can believe the promises that they offer us, even when those promises still seem far off. We can believe that perhaps we too will never be empty because our God nourishes us. Perhaps we too will never be alone because our God, even Jesus Christ, cannot be pressed to leave us or to turn back from seeking us out. Indeed, where we go, he will go. Where we stay, he will stay. His family will be our family. His father, our father. His home, the home we've been longing for all along. Through our lives and by our prayers, may God's kingdom come. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we see in Ruth, your great, great, great grandmother, this this woman of faith, this woman of hope, who holds on to hope when others would despair. We see in this lineage of faith the very life of faith that you invite us into. In this Advent season, as darkness grows, as the trouble of life can sometimes come more obviously to the foreground, We pray that you would make us people of hope, that we would hold out hope for our world, hold out hope for our families, hold out hope for strangers who we meet, and that in our holding out hope, we would glimpse your very kingdom breaking into this world. Reassure us of the truth that you are God with us, that you cannot be pressed to leave us, that wherever we go, Whatever darkness we find around us, you stay by us, and you are the true reason for our hope. Amen. After the service, there is prayer. In this section, we call transept those blue chairs. If you are experiencing hopelessness or helplessness, if you can use a little bit more hope and faith in your life, if something's happening and you just want a friend to pray with you, please go and receive prayer but all of us receive this blessing from God. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Grace, peace, and mercy be yours this day and forever. Amen.